Bibles and turn to the book of James. The book of James tonight. We're going to start a, I'm not sure how many week series. It'll be a few. Uh, working our way through the book of James. And James, as we see in the beginning uh, here, is a letter to the 12 tribes. Uh, it's to all of us uh, tonight. Some helpful, uh, lots of helpful truth. Uh, but especially this evening as we begin, we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 4. Uh, we're going to skip down to verse 12. We're going to bounce around through some other scriptures as well tonight. Uh, but the theme this evening, as you can see on the screen, is the pathway to spiritual maturity. I noticed Zoe tonight was spitting up, and I heard Mark say, oh, not again. And uh, something tells me that's a common theme lately for you guys. And if that's not the case, those of you that have babies, you know uh, uh, the common theme of diapers. You ever heard of those? And uh, how many of you ever got tired of changing diapers? How many of you wish they changed themselves? Hallelujah. Uh, that'd be a wonderful thing. Man, you should invent that. You'd be a millionaire, Mark. Man, billionaire, multi-billionaire, trillionaire, zillionaire, uh, self-changing diapers. Uh, I think they call it political office. But anyway, we... No, I'm going to stay away from it. I told my wife tonight when I got ready, I said, I feel like I should be going on this platform tonight and announcing my candidacy for president tonight. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but James chapter 1, look at verses 1 through 4 with me. No, I am not. Uh, I'm, not I'm, I'm going to run for pastor. We'll see, we'll see if I can get enough votes. Verse 1, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy. Now, if I was writing this, Brother Eric, I would say count it all joy when somebody offers you a cup of coffee. Or, or maybe you say, I count it all joy when the boss walks in and says, hey, is it okay if I give you a raise? Or count it all joy when you get this or that or this good thing happens. But the Bible says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Look down at verse 12. By the way, as you look at verse 12, understand here that passage in verse 4, when it talks about being perfect, it doesn't mean sinless. It's talking about being complete. You know, if you, if you buy a 100-piece puzzle and you put it together and find out you're missing a piece, you have 99 pieces of a 100-piece puzzle, it's not perfect. It's not complete. But we see here, look in verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I'm going to talk tonight about how to mature. I mentioned the babies. I, man, I wish they could change themselves. I wish they'd grow up. I wish they'd mature. Uh, some of you wives, you've been wanting your husbands to mature for a long time. Uh, but they haven't. Uh, we, we never will, brother the Bonnie, we're just eternal kids, right? But God wants us. God wants you. He wants us to mature spiritually. And he doesn't expect us to figure it out on our own. He doesn't leave us without instruction. And the book of James is a wonderful book about maturity, some wonderful teaching. But tonight we're going to focus on this. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord, would you help me tonight, Lord, to teach you right your truth? Lord, I pray you'd help us to look and see in your scripture. Lord, the pathway, the, the steps. Lord, 
Tonight, would you give us a clear view of the next step that we should take? Lord, may we understand that we have not arrived yet. Lord, help us to get rid of this wrong thinking that we think that we are somebody or we've arrived spiritually. Lord, may we see ourselves in comparison to the holiness of our God as we look in the mirror of the Word of God. And may we see that we have some growing yet to do. Lord, we see ourselves complete in Christ. Lord, we know that we are children. We know that we are a new creature. But Lord, we know that you're still working in us. And Lord, that you are sanctifying us, setting us apart. And Lord, you want us to be holy as you are holy. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to take some steps of maturity. Help us to grow up a bit. Lord, as you use your word and your Holy Spirit to help us tonight, Lord, I pray you'd help me. Lord, to teach you right your truth. Bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to get into a bit of a lesson here tonight about spiritual maturity. But before we do, as we're beginning into a new book, and we've been looking at the epistles. We started back about this time last year. We started looking uh, in the book of Galatians. How many of you remember when we started there? And uh, We've been working our way through the epistles, and uh, we come to a different letter, uh, the letter of James, uh, and we see some things. I want to give you some information as we begin uh, it is uh, generally accepted, and I believe that the writer, uh, the human writer, the penman that God gave these words to pen was James, the brother of Jesus. Now, that, that kind of messes up Catholic theology a little bit. I understand that. Uh, you know, those of you that grew up, grew up in the Catholic uh, religion, you know, you were, you were taught that Mary was the perpetual virgin. Uh, that's kind of tough whenever Jesus had brothers and sisters. Uh, I hate to burst our bubble, but uh, that's not the only thing they got wrong. You asked me, if you ever have five or six hours, I'll give you a bunch more. Brother Mike, if you had 20 hours, Brother Mike will tell you a bunch more. Uh, Brother Mike grew up uh, in that false religion. Uh, but James, the brother of Jesus Christ, uh, he, I believe... And I believe I can prove this to you from Scripture. Matter of fact, hold your place here. Let's turn to John 7. And, and this, this might surprise you a bit. I'm not sure if you've ever studied this or thought about it or looked at it. But the man that God would have penned these words that we're studying tonight, that he would allow to, to write down the Word of God, I personally believe that before Jesus was crucified and during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, I believe that James was not a believer of Jesus Christ. I believe that he was an opponent. I believe that he was uh, almost like the Apostle Paul was, uh, kicking against the pricks. The Bible says in John uh, 7 verse 1, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, <coughs> for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Now hold on a minute. Look here for a second. His brother said, Hey, uh, and I believe this would be speaking of James. 
I believe this isn't just people that knew him. I believe we're talking about literal brothers, family members here. Say, hey, once you go show off, once you do this, if you're real, if it's true. The Bible tells us why they said that in verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. In other words, his, brother, his brethren were mocking him. The same way they mocked him from the cross, if thou be the Christ, save thyself. Most likely, and I, I, I wouldn't say this is a, uh, a tenet of doctrine that I would stand on like uh, salvation, but I, I believe that most likely James absolutely did not accept that Jesus was the Messiah. I, I, I believe that he thought he was a fraud. He thought he was a scam artist, uh, thought he was a rabble rouser. He was not a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, his conversion, look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians, and we'll turn there. I believe the conversion of James, we see here in 1 Corinthians 15, and verse 7. And after that, by the way, this is speaking about testimony of Jesus after the resurrection. And after that, he was seen of James than all the apostles. Now imagine, how many of you have a brother? Brother Mike, imagine if your whole life you thought your brother was a, a liar. You, you didn't like him, you didn't believe in him, and your brother died. And at some point, and we don't know the exact timeline, if when he when James saw him, but we know it was at least three, four, five, six. It was, it was several days after the crucifixion. It was at least three, probably many more. All of a sudden, your brother shows up after he's dead and says, hey, I told you. Can I tell you that I believe James believed Jesus, the risen Lord? Can you imagine if he had rejected Christ and rejected who he was and now He's face-to-face -face with Jesus. What a wonderful thing. Why did Jesus see James? The Bible lists different people that Jesus was seen by. and I read a book once about the, the earthly evidence. I can't remember the title of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and it went through all the different people that had a connection with the risen Lord. And there were many, by the way. But or groups, not everyone named, but James is named. But I believe that God would, Jesus would meet James because he had a work for him to do. And I believe that work and that purpose, that main purpose, is why we gather tonight. Is he had a purpose for James to pen the words we get to study in the word of God tonight. But we see James as, I believe, his conversion we know at some point from church history that obviously James was born again. Uh, we know that James was a leader in the early church uh, in Jerusalem, pastor, if you will. Uh, and we see here, if we turn back to the book of James with me, and we see that God would give him a, a letter to pen, and it would be written to the 12 tribes. Notice in verse 1, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, 
I want you to understand this is a symbolic description. Does this mean this letter is just for those who are direct descendants of Abraham or Abraham? No, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean if, if you can trace your lineage straight back to one of the 12 tribes and this is for you. Rather, tonight, I want you to understand that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have been grafted in. And as so, we understand tonight this book, the book of James, uh, unlike the other epistles, we, we, we read the, uh, we studied this time last year, we started studying the book of Galatians, the letter to the church at Galatia. It was written to a specific church. Now, that letter, that uh, the word of God for all of us today, uh, but the direction of this letter when God gave it to James was not sent to an individual church, an individual believers. It was dispersed to all the churches. Why? Because it was for all. We see that. Now, we see the theme uh, in the opening of the letter in verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We read here that the purpose for God's purpose for you is that we would be mature, that we would be lacking nothing. Uh, that we would have all the pieces that God wants us to have. Uh, God wants us to be mature. God doesn't want us to stay uh, babies. He doesn't want us to be spiritual babies, spiritual infants sucking our spiritual thumbs. He wants us to mature. He, he doesn't want us to spiritually be spitting up all the time. Uh, he wants us to spiritually grow up, to be complete, to be whole, uh, we don't want to remain, as I mentioned, immature. Uh, look, if you will, hold your place here in James, and we're going to uh, bounce back to Matthew chapter 5 just for a moment. The Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 5 and verse 48. Be therefore perfect. Hold on a minute. That's a problem because Carol told me Gerald's not perfect. Demetrius told me many times that Ahmad's not perfect. I've told her many times. Now, when we use that word perfect, we think of sinlessly perfect. That's not what the Bible's speaking of here. It's talking about being complete. Be therefore perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. God wants us to be complete. He wants us to be grown how many of you remember when you were a little kid and you would ask the question, when will I be a grown-up? Remember asking that? Some of you probably said, when, do I, when can I quit going to school? How many remember? You probably remember that, uh, Josh. Uh, when, don't I have, when don't I have to go to bed at 8 o'clock? Uh, when can I stay up late? Uh, when can I do what I want? When can I be mature? When can I grow up? Now, some people grow up physically very early, uh, or they eventually grow up physically, but they never grow up uh, mentally or emotionally uh, or culturally. Now, we're speaking here of spiritual maturity, and God wants us to be complete. He wants us to be grown. And if we're going to do that, uh, we see the answer back in the book of James in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1 and verse 12. But 
understand we, we see some things here uh, about that, uh, this matter of this uh, being mature. Look in verse 2. Let's start there. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. I want you to notice the word brethren. My brethren. I, I don't find it unusual at all that the Lord would have James pen this passage of Scripture. James, his brother. Now, Christian, if we are to be mature, if we're to be mature and to grow up into spiritual maturity, the very first thing that we must do, the very first thing we must do is to enter into God's family by placing our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. Because if, I, if, if we are not brethren, we're not in the same family. I can't be mature if I'm not born. I can't be mature if I have not been birthed into the family of God. There's a lot of church members, a lot of churchgoers, a lot of religious people, a lot of people that do good works, a lot of people that read the Bible, a lot of people that do spiritual things who are not in the family of God. And you can never be spiritually mature if you're not in the family of God. You're not one of the brethren by being born again. Uh, we see the implication here of that relationship, uh, being a child of God. First, there has to be birth. Before there can be growth and maturity, there has to be birth. Uh, there has to be that experience. I turn back very quickly here. I want to give you, you want to see lots of scripture tonight, but I'll hurry. John chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says, He came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. The sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were not born of, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, there was a day that I was born physically. March 31st, 1975. Early, early on Monday morning following Resurrection Sunday. I came kicking and screaming into this world. And I've been kicking and falling downstairs ever since, Brother Mon. But I was born physically. But there was a day in September of 1980 when I knelt on my knees in a little camper trailer in a trailer park in Gillette, Wyoming, beside my father's chair. And I called on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I was born again. I became a child of Marcus and Janice Rice, March 31st, 1975. I became a child of God that day on my knees as I called on him, as I received, as I believed. I was born again. I became in the family of God. It's vital, and I know it's so elementary, but... Well, I'll tell you, you better make sure 
that you know that you know you're born again. You better make sure you know you're part of the family of God. Number two, if we're to be spiritually mature, we need to be part of the family. We have to be brethren. Number two, we must recognize our family relationships and responsibilities. Notice that same verse in verse 2 in our text. My brethren, not only was James himself a child of God, but he wrote to other children of God who were, of course, his brothers and sister. Just as he was the brother of Christ, he was writing to his brothers in Christ as God gave him to pen. We see that truth emphasized in the book of Ephesians, and we, we studied that not too many months ago, uh, but I'll, I'll turn there very quickly, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. By the way, when we see that word church, ecclesia in the Greek, we see uh, church in our King James Bible. Uh, that word uh, is a local called out assembly. We see it over and over and over and over again in the New Testament. This church and the church in this house and the church at Galatia. We today, many who talk about the, the church as being a, a universal. Now, I believe one day there's going to be a universal church. Don't throw anything at me. I believe that. Can I tell you when it's going to happen? When Jesus, when that trumpet's blown and we hear the words, come hither, come up hither. At that point, we're going to be called out together. We're all going to be local. Uh, we're all going to be residents of the same community. Well, Brother Bonnie, you're probably going to be in the outskirts across the tracks, but we're all going to be there. Uh, but until that day, we see local churches, but the Bible does speak very plainly here, uh, the family of God. We are all part of the family of God, no doubt about it. As believers, we are connected that way, no matter where we are, no matter what locale, no matter what community, no matter what culture, we are all connected uh, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a wonderful... And when we recognize our relationship, when we recognize our connection one with another, uh, we realize that we have people that are looking at us. How many of you grew up with brothers and sisters? Now, if you were the oldest brother, oldest sister, can I tell you that your younger siblings were watching you? Whatever you did, they were going to do. If you grew up as the youngest, uh, you, you were watching your older siblings. Okay, what do I do? How do I get away with, how do I get away with murder? Uh, how, do I, how, how do I get sneak around? You're looking for what, what you're supposed to do. What's it? We, we're looking at others, that connection. As believers, understand if we're going to mature, we need to see that connection that we have with other believers. Number three, we need to seek the grace of humility. I, I find this so awesome as we look back in our text in James chapter 1, I want you to notice verse 1. I, I think possibly this might be one of the most powerful things we're going to see tonight about this matter of growth and spiritual maturity. We must seek the grace of humility. Verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I just told you a moment ago 
who it is that God gave these words to pen. Yet it does not say James, the brother of Jesus. It doesn't say James, the bishop of the church of Jerusalem. It doesn't say James, lead pastor, First Baptist Church, Jerusalem. It doesn't say that. James, servant. We read that verse, and so often we skip right over the truth and the greatness of that. Don't miss out on the humility that God wants us to have to grow spiritually. When we lift ourselves up, when we think that we are something, when we begin to believe our own lies about ourselves, at that point we stunt our growth spiritually. We see the humility here a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant. James 4, 7, the Bible says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves. In verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves. James 4, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up. We, we get this wrong idea of humility, that humility is us pushing ourself down and refusing ever to be lifted. That's not humility. Humility is having a right understanding of who we are and placing ourselves where we belong, where all of us belong, and that's at the bottom. We, I remember so vividly a man named Dip Kiao, Philip, or a Cambodian man, who just came to Chicago, and I met him the, the day he got to Chicago. He thought I was the mayor of Chicago. I got him on my bus. I sent Chorvi Rath, Chorvi and Conaro, uh, Chorvi and Conaro Kio now, missionaries in Phnom Penh. Uh, they were both Cambodians who came as refugees to Chicago, both got the gospel, came to Bible college. They were on my bus route. I got them to get married, and uh, now they're back serving in uh, Cambodia. But I said to Chorvi, Chorvi used to be my wife's roommate. I said, Chorvi, I said, go invite that man on the bus. Chorvi got off the bus. A few seconds later, she came back on with Dip Kiao. They sit down. He spoke no English. I mean, not yes, not okay, not hello, nothing. Uh, he got on the bus. I used to speak and still do a little bit, a little bit of Kamai. And when I would speak to him and I would say hello to him in very formal Kamai, when I would some pay him, he would fall on the ground. He'd put his hands together and drop. And I mean, if, if we were in a mud hole, if we're standing on the street in Chicago in a water hole, he would fall face prostrate on the ground before me. And I would try to pick him up and I, I spoke some Cambodian, but I, not enough to really understand what was going on. I mean, it's in the culture and that caste system that he was raised up in. You know, when you greet someone, you have to bow a little bit lower than someone that's of a higher caste than you are. That's the culture. And I, I understood that. I, and because of that, I always tried to bow pretty low. I wanted people to think, hey, I'm, I'm below you all. But... He would hit the ground. I asked Chorvi one day, I said, can you talk to Dip? Tell him not to do that. And this was months later. 
and Dip had trusted Christ as a Savior. He got saved. And I found out he thought I was the mayor of Chicago. <laughs> and he was, he came, you understand, this man had lived through the Khmer Rouge regime, was beaten to, almost to death on multiple occasions by the Khmer Rouge. He had serious medical and mental and physical issues from the abuse that he went through during the Khmer Rouge regime that started the day I was born, March 31st, 1975. Mr. Pol Pot marched into Phnom Penh. But he lived through that kind of regime, so he wanted to make sure he didn't offend any government officials. So he was showing me deference by saying, I am so far below you, you're above me. I told him, through me speaking some Cambodian and through Chorvi, I said, you tell him we are brothers, that we're the same level. I said, when, he, when we say hello, we, we stop the same place. Now, we understand that, but sometimes we don't act like we understand it. Sometimes we think, well, I'm a, I'm a better Christian than him. You know, I, I don't do the sin that she does. I mean, I'm more faithful in this area of my Christian life. I'm, I'm, I'm a better Christian. God probably loves me a little bit more. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud because that sounds so stupid and so childish and so silly. But we act like it sometimes. And by we, I mean all of us, me included. We need to see ourselves as Christ sees us. But the Bible says in James that it's okay when God lifts us up. You know, on the other side of humility, sometimes there's false humility where we don't want to accept the place God puts us and places us and we reject the will of God. By the way, in doing so, all we're doing is putting ourselves above God and saying, no, you don't know what you're doing. But we need to see that humility that God has for us. And, and we could look at so much, uh, and we don't have time tonight to do so, but Philippians chapter 2, uh, we could go to tonight. We won't. We could look in Ephesians 4 again. Uh, I, I will turn to First Peter. Uh, we're so close there. First Peter, chapter five. First Peter five five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. I like that verse, brother Amon. Yea, all of you be subject. One, oh, I don't like this one. One to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If we're to mature, if we're to get on that pathway that leads us to spiritual growth, one of the steps along the way is a proper understanding of the grace of humility. Number next, number four. And we're not going to like this. You know how I know? Because I don't like it. But I believe we see it here in verse 1. We need to take our place. Now, the Bible says one day, that day's not now, but one day in the millennial reign, we will rule and reign with Christ. That's true. But there are those that try to, try to teach and live as though they were in the millennial kingdom now. And, and they, 
They want to be respected as kings and queens down here. Now, I'm not upset with, with some teaching that some people kind of get a little out of bounds. I understand that. But I believe we've gone a long stretch. One day, yes, the Bible says we'll rule and reign with him. But here, James, the brother of Jesus Christ, James, a penman of Scripture, James, who God would give his very word to pen. We see the words back there in verse 1 of James 1, a servant of God. A servant. Can I tell you that word servant means much more than what we use the word for today. If you go to a restaurant on the way down to Calgary, uh, Saturday we stopped in Gasoline Alley. I didn't buy any gasoline because it was 20 cents more there than it was anywhere else. Uh, but I stopped in Gasoline Alley not to fill my tank, but to fill my belly. And we went to a restaurant and we had a server. We sat down and a young lady came and uh, she was about this tall, and she looked like she was five years old, and she came to serve us. She asked us what we wanted. Uh, no, she wasn't Filipino, as you're wondering, Brother Mike. She was just really short. And she asked us, she, she served us. She brought us uh, our food. She brought Carrie like 15 plates of food because she ate everything. And, you know, of course, I just had a couple bites of the vegan meal. And uh, I think on that vegan meal there was sausage, and meatballs. Anyway, uh, we, we ate, but we were served by a server. We understand that word, server or servant. And when we read that word in Scripture because of our culture, we look at that word through the filter of culture, and we think of servant, well, someone that serves you. My wife and I, years ago, we used to get really good deals in the U.S. on Priceline for hotels. When we travel, I would wait till last minute. And I mean, I'm talking about I would, I would like four hours before we had to stay somewhere, I'd go on Priceline. Now, they're useless now, but back then, you used to get good deals. And we were going to go, uh, we were going to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And I looked, and I got a deal at this Marriott Resort Hotel. And it wasn't a Marriott. It was one of the resort hotels. We paid 20 bucks, 2 zero. That was it. After tax, 20 bucks. We pulled up by the mic, and I was out of my element. Like, it was fancy. Like, you'd have been okay, Brother Maud, but I, I, was, a little, I was a little out of my element. Uh, I got in there, and I went, man, um, I was afraid I had to rent a tux just to walk into this place. And I told my wife when we walked in, because we paid $20. And I said, you stay with me. I said, you don't go in the bathroom until we get to our room. I said, if someone asks to help you with your luggage, you say, no, thank you. And she said, why? I said, because they have several employees here at this kind of a facility, and their main job is to serve you. And after they serve you, they expect you to give them a tip. I only paid 20 bucks for the whole experience. I ain't tipping someone to carry my luggage. I got out, a bellhop came out in his sharp uniform. Sir, let me help you with that. No, thank you. I had 15 bags, a kitchen sink, a horse, a pony. I mean, I had, 
I'll carry it myself. Leave me alone. Now, I didn't go in the washroom, but I, I know what it was like there. There was probably someone there with a towel when you walked out, offered you the towel. Oh, would you like some of our fragrances? Uh, no, no, thank you. I, I went upstairs in the washroom that I paid $20 for. I'm not tipping somebody. I'm not, I don't want one of those kind of servants. That's not even the type of servant we're talking about here. In the culture of the day, that word servant meant much more. We're speaking here about a slave, not someone who said, sir, would you hire me so I can work for you? No. This is the connotation here in the book of James. James said, I'm a, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. When we take that place and that understanding of who we are, yes, we're brethren. Yes, we're in the family of God. We humble ourselves and are willing to take our role as a bond slave, as a servant, without question, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We begin. When we submit, we, we grow there. Absolute obedience. I saw a news story today that went across my internet, Microsoft uh, edge feed as I was pulling up email. And it was an employee at McDonald's. And how this was a news story, I have no idea. It must have been a bad day for news. An employee at McDonald's that the boss said, I want you to wash this sink full of dirty dishes. And the employee said, no, I quit. And the whole story, I didn't read it all because I read the headline like, what? This can't be real. It was about how the boss was upset how this guy quit because he wouldn't wash the dishes. And I thought, man, we've come to that as a society. This has become newsworthy. But we act just like that employee so often to the Lord. We say, Lord, you want me to, you want me to sit down and relax? You want me to receive some glory? You, you, you want me to uh, do something that uh, makes me feel good? I'm there. I'm, I'm your man. And the Lord wants us to serve. And we go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Time out. I didn't sign up for this. No. The slave doesn't decide what he serves or how he serves. And Christian, when we put aside our ideas, our preconceived notion of how we're going to tell God what we want, how we're going to let him know, it's like a pastor I know who said, when I was called, he said when he was called to preach, he told, he told God, I'll never pastor a church, and I'll never, I can't remember what state, I'll never, Arkansas. He said God called him to preach, and God called him to pastor a church in Arkansas. Uh, probably because he was trying to break his will. Christian, we need to surrender to what the Lord wants for our life. We, and this is the, this is the message in the next 10 minutes. I'm going to try to encapsulate it, stuff it real tight, and hope we can swallow it and let it work in our system tonight because this, all of that was a building up to taking the pill tonight, if you will. Number five, we must expect our faith to be tested. And as we do, we need to submit to the Lord in all of his dealings with us. Submit to the Lord in all, all of his dealings with us. We see in verse 2 of our text in James 1, My brethren, count it all joy 
when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work with patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We see again in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And we learn some things here, and I'm going to give you a few points. And I believe these points wrap up and tie up what it is we need to do to be on that path of growth. What is it about God's dealings with us, that view of our ultimate spiritual maturity? Number one, we must expect trials, and here's the tough one, and even welcome them. Even welcome them. Can, can I confess a sin to you? Can I tell you something that I've done on many occasions in my life? The Bible says, you know, we're to give thanks in all things. Many times something bad will happen, and I'll, I'll make a statement that sounds spiritual if I tell you what I say. I'll say, oh, that's a blessing. But can I tell you what I mean, Brother Mike, when I say that out loud? That's what I mean. You fell in the blanks. Uh, remember Cubert? Anyway, I, you fill it all in. I, I said, bro, that's a blessing. I'm not happy about it. I don't want it. I'm not excited about it. I don't want it to happen. I use that phrase. Well, that's a blessing. But it is. Whether we choose to see it that way or not. We need to, if we're going to grow, if we get to that place, that foundation of our our humility and our understanding of who we are, we're, we're in the family of God. We see ourselves as servants of Christ. We need to expect trials and even welcome them. In verse 2, we see that my brethren count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall in diverse temptations. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to like them. How many of you have taken cough medicine in the last couple of weeks? Probably almost a lot of you probably. Uh, how many of you had trouble finding cough medicine because the shelves were empty? Because Colton bought it all. Uh, B drank six gallons of it. She's a hardened addict. We're going to get her into AA next week. But, you know, you take the cough medicine and how many of you, anybody take Buckley's cough medicine this last couple of weeks? That's the good stuff. Now, it's not good stuff, it doesn't taste good. I grew up with asthma. Uh, I, I've had pneumonia so many times in my life that I have scar tissue in my lungs. When they x-ray me, it looks like I have, they think I have lung cancer. Uh, I, I've been, I was hospitalized as a baby with asthma. I was hospitalized as a five-year-old boy with asthma. I, or with, with pneumonia both times. Uh, because of my asthma and all of that, I grew up many, many times with Vicks Vapor Rub on my chest. How many of you know what Vicks is? How many of you like that stuff? You weirdo. I, that smell brings back bad memories for me. I mean bad memories. First time I took Buckley's, I'm like, man, they took Vicks Vapor Rub and melted it down and put it in a bottle. But it works. If I take it, I don't like, oh, oh, that tastes beautiful. It's a lovely floral aroma. 
of Vicks Vapor Rub. No, I, I don't enjoy the taste, but I'm happy to take it. You know why? I know it's going to work. I, again, give it to me. I'll take it. If it's going to help me, I'll take it. I want the outcome. The idea here is not, oh, I'm so excited. I love being tested. I love trials. Oh, it makes me so happy. That's the wrong idea. The idea here is we realize the goodness of God working through and maturing us. I saw a post a couple hours ago. I haven't told my wife yet. Family that I know, not well, but I, I know them. I think we went to school together. The husband went in today for surgery. They had cancer. They were going to remove. They found a, a tumor. Pretty, pretty standard stuff. When they opened him up, they found out that all they could do was sew him back up. It was in almost every part of his body. Barring a miracle, and God is able to do miracles if he wants to. It does not go against the nature of God to do so. Nor does him not healing him go against the goodness of God. But barring a miracle of God, this man about my age, very, very, very soon, will see his Savior face to face and leave his wife a widow, leave his children fatherless. I saw a note from her today about how she set her children down and told them to be reminded that God is always good, even when they don't understand what God is doing. Christian, when we get to the point where we understand trials are coming and God is going to do good through those trials, we could take time to look at Matthew 5, John 16, Philippians 1, Hebrews 12, 1 Peter 4, lots of verses we could look at tonight. But I want to give you six points here. I'm going to hurry through them. I'll give you some verses in a moment if you want to write them down. Number two, I said number one, if we're to expect trials, even welcome. Number two, realize trials sometimes come suddenly. Trials sometimes come suddenly. The Bible says in verse 2, count it all joy when ye fall. Not when you slowly go into, but sometimes it happens pretty fast. But understand that sometimes that's the tool of God to grow us, to mature us. Number three, trials and testings are varied. When you fall into diverse temptations. That means Brother Eric's trials and temptations might be different than Brother Mott's. Brother Krim and Brother Mark might go through two totally different kind of situations. Colton may not experience the same thing Brother Gerald experienced. It, they're varied. They're differing. It doesn't mean that one is good and one is bad. And how come you get this and I get this? It's, it's differing. Sometimes they're physical. Sometimes they touch our affections. Sometimes they deal with possessions. Think of Job, Paul. Hebrews 11 is a good passage to look at later and see those great heroes of the faith and what they went through. Number four, when trials come, it is our faith which tested. Verse three, 
knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The Bible says the righteous will live by faith, the just will live by faith. Luke 22, verses 31 through 33, I encourage you to look at later. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. As I mentioned, Hebrews 11, see how that faith is tested. Those men of faith, those ladies of faith we read about in the book of Hebrews, how is it they exercise faith? Because they were facing something that everyone else would have said, you can't do that. But they believe God. They exercise faith in God. Number five, we have great assurance. We have great assurance because we know God is working out his purpose for us and in us. God is maturing you. How many of you, when you were younger, wanted to get taller? If you were short and you wanted to get taller? Do exercises, try to try to get taller. Remember, you're real skinny. I, I never had that problem. Brother Gerald, maybe you did, but I, I was never really skinny. Maybe like, man, I gotta I gotta work out. I gotta eat a lot of food. I gotta get big. Uh, had I done that, I would never have fit inside of a room. But I, you know, maybe uh, man, I just wish I could. I wish I was this tall. I wish I could do this. I wish I could grow up. Uh, I, I went to school with a boy, Dan Dan Chopsuka was his name, and he was a year younger than me. And in high school, Dan was like this tall. Like Dan was like, I used to joke with Dan. I'm like, hey, I said, when you go to the amusement park, do they even let you ride the kids' rides? I'm like, do you even come up to the line? And then he would smack me, uh, threaten to do some kind of kung fu to me or something. Uh, but he was just a little guy. And I'm sure he wanted to grow. I stopped growing when I was 13. I walked into grade eight this size and one guy in my class is about this tall. By the time we graduated, he was about this tall. Now, he didn't make himself grow, just like you didn't make yourself grow. God's the one that does that spiritually. We don't work it up. God works in us and through us. We just have to trust him. Uh, we, need to, we have that assurance. The Bible tells us, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. To those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose, we have the assurance that God knows what he's doing. He, Christian, he knows what he's doing in your life. He, he, he didn't walk away. He didn't leave things unattended. He knows what he's doing. And lastly, number six. I'll give you one more after this. Number six. Can I tell you, sometimes the testing may be long. Sometimes it may be difficult. Verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work. Let the process go. I, I admit that one of my biggest struggles in life is I'm not, a, I'm not very patient. I, I don't like waiting for anything. I'm, a in, I'm impatient. I've got a lot of flaws. If you had enough time, I'd tell you about all of them, but that's one of the big ones. I'm impatient. We get impatient with God. God, when are you going to do something with this? God, it's been three years. God, this has been going on long enough. Can't you do something? Trust him. Just trust him. Trust the Lord. The result of the process of trusting God we see in the last part of the verse 
that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And lastly, and we'll close with this, number seven. When faith's testing is completed, when it's completed, you will be blessed. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endure temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. We need to realize that God deals with us. We so often view the process. We see what's going on right now. We see the testing, the trials. We don't see what God is doing and how God is making something beautiful, how God is maturing you. My pastor used to tell the story of how he would sit on the floor in the little house he lived in. His father was a drunkard that left him and his mother. They had one chair in their house during the Great Depression. One chair. She would sit on the chair and do needlepoint at night to sell as an extra source of income. And he said he would sit on the floor and look up at that little hoop. Some of you done needlepoint know what I'm talking about. He said he would look up and his mother would be sitting there doing needlepoint. And he'd say, he would say to his mom, why are you using all those dark colors? Why, why are there so many knots? Why are there so many strings hanging down? It's ugly. Nobody's going to want to buy that. Nobody's going to want that. It's, 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 it's dark and ugly and dreary. And he said as he would complain, his mother would say, just wait. Just wait. When I'm all done, I'll bring you up and let you see it. And he said she eventually would get finished and she'd pick him up and set, her, set him on her lap. And he said he would look down from the top side and he would see a beautiful picture with no knots and no frays and beautiful bright colors. It was beautiful. You see, it looked different on his mother's side. Christian, can I tell you that I've been guilty many times of looking up at God and saying, God, what are you doing? God, why would you allow that? I'm not going to tell you tonight I understand why. But I'm going to tell you that one day I'm going to go sit on his lap. One day I'm going to get to see it from his perspective. And one day I'm going to see the glory of God revealed in me. Christian God is revealing himself in you. And although we may not understand the process, we can know that God is working. And we can know that God does everything good. We see the finished product, and I read one last, one last verse here, and we'll close here. In Jude, Jude 24, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. What a wonderful God. Let's pray. Lord, help us to grow up. Help us to mature. Lord, I pray if there's one here tonight that knows you're not a Savior, God, may they see they need to trust you. Lord, I pray that we would see, Lord, ourself with the humility we ought to have, that we would yield to you. Lord, I pray that we would see our connection one with another, our responsibility in the family of God. Lord, that we would realize we need to grow up. 
We've got a job. We've got a duty. We've got a purpose for our life as we fit together with other believers here in this local church. And God help us to realize that we are not just to pick up the work and the things we want to do, but God, may we be slaves, submitting to whatever your purpose. And Lord, as we expect the trials, as we trust you, God, may you work in us and through us as you grow us, as you mature us. Lord, not for us, but for you. Lord, may you be glorified tonight. God, bless us in our study as we continue. Lord, bless the activities of this weekend. Uh, May you receive the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.